Welcome, everybody, to the X Factor podcast. I wanted to extend my most sincere apologies for hiring our intern, Parker. I mean, for the fact that we did not publish a podcast last week. It's his fault down there. Um, and a special uh, you know, deep, deep condolences to James Elliott, P1 listener. Uh, day, he's a D1 OG, day one original gangster. Yes. James Elliott. Yep. And um, he waits patiently uh, with his P1 listener coffee mug in hand on his patio, his back deck at his picnic table to consume our content. Now, he would say that he has uh, bottom gun coffee in his coffee mug. I think it's just filled with whiskey. And that's all a, uh, a ruse, I believe is the correct term. Anyway, um, he got all set up and camped out, posted pictures of, you know, his anticipation of the next episode premiering. Yep. This past Saturday. And much to his profound disappointment and dismay, Parker dropped the ball. We let him down. We had no episode. Um, I would take responsibility for this, but I didn't hire Parker. Right. I, uh, I want to remind everyone, Parker was John's hire. I wanted to hire a uh, cheerleader at San Diego State University who was willing to also be our, our intern. But John said, oh, let's go with Parker. So James yeah. could have had a cheerleader yep. who uh, would be more consistent and responsible than uh, the young man you see on the screen down there. Uh, but we'll just, what we'll do is uh, we'll just keep trying to move the newspapers closer to the door. And uh, speaking of coffee, coffee mugs and, and things, this podcast, John, is brought to you by Bottom Gun Coffee, our friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. And uh, they make the finest, the best coffee, I think, on the planet. Because it's made by a bunch of guys who spend a lot of time drinking coffee. And that's uh, submarine veterans, guys that spend uh, a lot of time under the ocean. And uh, the best way to do is, uh, best thing to do to stay awake under the ocean is drink a lot of coffee. So these guys know coffee. And uh, they know really good coffee. And they're my go-to every morning. You can't smuggle crystal meth onto a nuclear sub, can you, in the Navy? It is frowned upon, yes. Uh, new, they've got some Hang new regulations. On. Frowned upon, discouraged, or prohibited? Probably prohibited, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I have trouble understanding what's really prohibited or frowned upon in the U.S. military after seeing footage of those tail hook conventions <laughs> prohibited yeah, frowned yeah. upon discouraged you know semantics yeah if you don't know what tail hook it is google it you'll find out yep. that um we have a an embarrassing moment in the history of the navy but of course it was all aviators not uh submarines yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so but by the uh fun fact about tail hook is that uh, all of us every officer in the navy are are uh, rank our next rank was held up as they investigated tailhook so even if you were a submariner like i was and i was actually underway under the ocean during tailhook i was still my rank was held up during the investigation so That's i lost you, money i lost pay isn't that when you were bucking for a promotion to admiral i think it might have been lieutenant jg but sure we'll go with admiral <laughs> damn sorry john terrible terrible yeah so um We've got uh, a heck of a episode in store for you today, folks. We are talking X Factor books. Books, yes. Yeah. And um, when I tell you X Factor books, you're probably thinking, yeah. what the hell do you and your co-host know about books? Listen, I've been coloring in those damn things since I was a toddler. I know a hell of a lot about books. Thank you very much. <laughs> john what do you know about books we have to demonstrate our expertise so we have credibility with our audience i, yeah, I don't know what to people say. on the edge of their seat right now listening i would say that i did do a lot of coloring as a youth so maybe uh when i say youth i'm talking about did you say week. ute yeah it's a ute what uh, is a ute what is a, a young, ute? it's a young man a ute um, yeah, I might have colored a few things in my life. Um, 
but uh, maybe we know a little bit about books because we've written a few. Just a couple. Just a yeah. couple. Um, speaking of which, let's jump into this, okay? Yes. yes. Um, X Factor for the for the uh, rookies, the newbies, the people who um, are just discovering us for the first time. Yes. Could you explain to them what the X Factor is? Yeah. So X Factor is kind of uh, the thing, the it. The, it's that one little um, special thing about a company, uh, a movie, a person, an actor. That you just, probably heard to it referred to as the it fa- the it, it factor too. Yeah, right? it's the yeah. it's the one thing that elevates uh, somebody above another. Um, so you might uh, you know there's a lot of actors out there, but there's only a few that reach the level of I don't know a George Clooney or what have you. These guys have something special, right? Same thing with companies. There's a lot of companies out there, but there are very few apples, right, in the world or Nikes or what have you. These companies that really elevate themselves and separate themselves from the pack. So the whole point of this podcast is looking at, at different elements in the world and, and, and analyzing those, uh, those, you know, people, places, companies that have that X factor. And we try to dissect why they have the X factor so that you in your business and whatever you're doing today, you can learn from it and take away those valuable lessons. And the fun thing about this podcast is that we pick a tech, we pick a subject like today, we're going to talk about X factor books. I thought you were going to say the fun thing about this podcast is Brubaker is completely unmedicated today. <laughs> well, I thought it was every day, but maybe that's just uh, I'm but, off the um, chain when we're doing this, JR. I know you are. I'm, I'm, but, yeah, I'm on even keel. Notice the, uh, yeah. the nautical reference. I'm on I an like even the nautical keel. Reference. Yeah. See, we're all in the same boat here. I'm on an even keel six days a week. Yep. We record this mofo. And I'm off, the, off chain. the chain. Yep. So we don't even know what each other is going to talk about. We each pick a t- particular uh, person, place, or thing, or item, and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to teach some lessons, and uh, and we'll we'll see where it goes from there. We really don't know where it's going to end up when we start this show. No. Um, we didn't know when we started the show originally. We still don't know where it's going. But uh, it's all about. Uh, you, you've got two trying not to get canceled. Yes, that's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. You've got two business leaders, uh, two uh, uh, best selling authors, best smelling authors, as John likes to say, uh, here live. Uh, and with the, we've got Parker, uh, the, uh, the DFE, the intern, the studio boy supporting us. But you've got basically a world class uh, group of guys here to give you some advice, give you some wisdom. And we have a little bit of fun along the way because. Um, uh, Coach Brew doesn't take his meds. So I think, you know, this is by design, John. You need to go first today ah. because after you go and it becomes my turn, I'm going to shatter everyone's perception of the entire book industry. All right. I like it. So I'm just going to crush your dreams, folks. I, you're never going to look at a book the same way again. And you'll think twice about whatever JR is about to share with you. So basically, no pressure, John, you're preempting my presentation by saying yours is going to be better no matter what I say. No, I'm just saying mine's going to crush the entire industry. (laughs) People might hate me for this. Yeah, well, like when, you know, like when someone who shouldn't have told you, told you Santa wasn't real. Yes. Easter Bunny is fake. There's no tooth fairy. That's your mom throwing a nickel under the pillow because she's too cheap to put a dollar. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be one of those. So I'm just warning you all. It's going to be a hilarious buzzkill. So you're going to uh, you're going to kill some sacred cows. We're going to slaughter them and make um, hamburgers out of them. Yes. All right. I like meat. So good. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm now. I don't. I don't even know if I want to go first. Well, let's get moving. I love it. I love it. So I want to talk about, so my, you know, we're talking about X factor books, books that became an X factor uh, or have the X factor. So I'm going to talk about um, Harry Potter. So that's the, and I'm actually really going to talk more about JK, JK Rowling more than Harry Potter uh, himself, but I want to talk about a book called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And you probably never heard it 
referred to that. You might have heard the Sorcerer's Stone, but the original book was called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And um, you might have heard a little bit about J.K. Rowling and her story, but it's pretty interesting. And it's a great story about someone who um, basically everything went wrong in her life. But she used that for an advantage, and, um, and, and, and really, she did some amazing things with it. So let me just, you know, if we go back a little bit to the early part of her career in 1982, we talked about this in another podcast. We did X Factor Universities. She actually applied to go to Oxford University in England. She's from England. And in 1982, she was not accepted, so she couldn't go to Oxford. She ended up going to the University of Exeter. But uh, so that was the beginning of rejection in her life. And um, is that a... Uh, is that, um... A truck driving school, a school for wayward girls, University um, of Exeter, a home economics idea. institution. What is that? The University. I of Exeter. don't know. I imagine it's in England somewhere. She studied French and classics, so like classic pickles. I don't classic cars. Not You're sure. thinking of Vlasic, Vlasic, Vlasic pickles. That's what I was thinking of. Exactly. Oh yeah, I was wondering classic, <laughs> classic pickles. So she worked for Amnesty International as a researcher. So you can imagine that's a pretty low-paying job. Amnesty International is sort of a, um, you know, it's a charity type organization, right? In 1990, and she was stuck on a four-hour delay on a train ride going from Manchester to London. And when she was on that train, she came up with the idea, with a thought about writing a book about this, about this wizard school that would take a train over to this wizard, wizard university. And so she, she got out the idea. This was in 1990. She came up with the idea. And then she started kind of writing it, dabbling on writing this book and what it would look like. And it took her seven years to write the book. And during that seven-year period, let me tell you what happened to her. Um, her mom died. She, she, had a, she, had a, she had a baby, had her first child. Her husband divorced her. And then she lost her job. And eventually, she was just uh, living on welfare. And she was living just in, essentially in poverty during that entire time. And she considers herself a failure. So her marriage had failed. Uh, she was jobless, she had a dependent child, and she was on welfare. And during this time, she was actually diagnosed with clinical depression and contempted suicide during that time. So, you know, this is a story of everything had failed for her. Everything, everything possible had just completely, the rug had been pulled out from under all this her- a clear story of white privilege right there. <laughs> yeah, this, this, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is not good, right? I mean, just look at all the resources she had at her disposal there. Right. And so the reason I tell you the beginning of that story is because we've all been there, right, where things just haven't worked out and, and, and we've, we've faced, you know, losses and, and challenges and just you know, insurmountable odds. And, and, and most people would, would give up during this. And that's what I love about her story is that she didn't give up. And in fact, I was reading an article about her and she said that she saw her failure as liberating because it finally allowed her to focus on writing this amazing book. So she had she looked at it as an opportunity then to now take advantage of this free time she had to be able to dedicate her effort into writing this book. And um, she also, if you know anything about the, um, the series, um, there are these, uh, these soul-sucking creatures called Dementors that, that come into some of the later books. And those, um, she came up with that idea as a result of her depression. So she, she thought of them as Dementors that would come and suck her soul. So, so she used yeah. even her depression as, as an element in her books going forward, which is pretty amazing. So well, again, the HR department of most companies, Dementors. Well, it's, it's <laughs> by <kinda>, far. <laughs> it was kind of cool because she almost used her like depression and everything going bad in her life as like a creativity, like she Absolutely. used it to, yeah, like, I love that. further her creativity in the book. Absolutely. And and weren't, weren't a lot of the characters, John, um, and excuse me if I'm stealing your thunder, weren't a lot of the characters and just sort of like the picture she painted of the, um, the setting of the institution Hogwarts based on people she knew in school yep. growing up during yep. her formative years and kind of like what the buildings looked like and Absolutely, you know, all yeah. the drama and bullshit that you have in school. Yep. So like yeah, it's Dumbled a great story of your message, your message. Yeah, exactly. Dumbledore was uh, was built off of her headmaster when she was in elementary school. So every one of these characters was somebody from her life, and she put them into a story, which is really kind of special and and neat. And I think that's why it attracted so many people because it was so it was so real when it was put together. These people had the real type of personalities you'd expect from real characters in a book, right? So it wasn't uh, didn't seem so fake. 
But uh, so here's what's interesting. In 1995, five years after she came up with the idea, she finally wrote the book and it was called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And she finished it in 1995 and it was typed, all typed on, a, on an old manual typewriter. So she did the manuscript on a typewriter. And then in 1995, we had computers. Like we, everybody was using computers and using uh, word processor type programs. She did it on a typewriter. So once again, you know, people say, well, I can't write a book because I don't have a computer. I can't do this because I can't, I, you know, uh, I, I can't be, I can't sell books because I have a small presence on social media. I mean, um, this is just an example. Best book of, I wrote, I wrote on yellow legal pad with a pencil. See that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, which one was that, by the way? Seed the Success. Seed yeah. the Success. One of my favorites right here. By the way, I keep it right here. One of my favorite books. I was just that, talking. That's my X Factor book. I'm actually going to be honking my own horn for about 10 Good. minutes on this pod. You should. You should. I was actually on a podcast. I had, I had somebody on my podcast. We were talking about this book on my podcast. So if you listen in to my you should. You should. Every episode, you should feature that. You know? I should. I think everybody should. <laughs> I, love, I love it. So Don't she tell me, tell all your friends, folks. I do. So she types it on a typewriter. She gives it. Now she's got a manuscript and she went to 12 different publishing houses in the UK, which all rejected her, just like uh, Oxford University. So once again, all her hopes and dreams, uh, five years worth of work flushed down the toilet. Uh, she gets rejected. She keeps trying, though. A year later, a year after she first started submitting it, she had one small publishing house called Bloomsbury decide they're going to they'll, they'll accept the book and they're going to publish the book and they did in 1997 they published the book but get this and you'll know what this means being an author they only published a thousand copies because they didn't believe it was going to go anywhere and 500 of them they sent to UK libraries so they only wow. put 500 into the uh open market and, and going to a library it's almost like a loss leader you know like Right, right. So yeah. you can imagine people are checking it out and bringing it back. And it's not like one person buying a copy, another person buying a copy. Like, right, yeah. right. So you that's can awesome. So that just says that they didn't think that this book had any legs, right, that it wasn't going to go anywhere. And in fact, right now, by the way, if you try to find those copies, those original uh, thousand copies, you can buy them for around 32,000 to $50,000 a piece. That's how valuable they became. But um, in 1998, after about, uh, so uh, almost about a year afterwards, she won the British Book Award for Children's Book of the Year. And then she eventually, uh, later that year, she won the Children's Book Award. And, in, um, and then in 1998, they wanted to go to the US. So they, they, they auctioned off the rights to her book for the US production. And Scholastic Inc. actually won out and paid $105,000 for the rights to publish a book in the US. What a steal. Can you right? imagine? Yeah, what a steal. And uh, Rowling said that she nearly died when she found out someone was willing to pay that much money for the book. She was shocked beyond belief. Um, well, did she know? I mean, who, who knew? She wrote it on a yeah. typewriter. She was rejected by 12 different publishing companies. Some little crazy. company took, gave her a chance, right? And then they only printed a thousand copies. So you know you're a failure. At that point, you're thinking, my life is a failure. I am a failure. And then suddenly... $105,000 for my little book. I'm winning some awards. Well, maybe I'm not a failure, right? Maybe I'm okay. Yeah. So October, 1998, Scholastic publishes the, uh, they changed the name to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We all know that now. And that was it. I mean, she exploded from there. And uh, six sequels later, and the whole series was done by 2007. And that whole, the, the, the um, seven book series uh, sold more than 500 million copies. I mean, one of the so most impressive the, uh, books and uh, book series ever written. What was the, what was the total profit number? Like how much did she make from those 500 million copies sold? So let, according to Forbes, she was the first, she's the world's first billionaire author. The first oh person ever became gosh. a billionaire. I was, second. I was second. John Rennie was third in case you're keeping score at home, <laughs> folks. I don't think so. I'm not. I know that. Sorry, sure. sorry, sorry. You're right. You were second. I was third. You're right. Millions, Credit where credit's right? due. There we go. <laughs> so, and in, in October, 2010, she was named the most influential woman in Britain. How about that? So, you know, the, the, I think the moral of this story and what I like about her story, and first of all, I mean, I love, I love the books myself. My kids were young when they, when they came out. We all read them. We went to see the movies. It was a big part of my children's, uh, uh, you know, how they grew up and what have you. 
But I love the story of her and the idea that, you know, you can be down, but you're never out. As long as you got breath in your lungs, right? And you got an old typewriter, you can make, you know, your dreams a reality. Yep. And so no matter where you're at in your, in your business career, uh, in your personal life, I mean, you can be down, but you, you don't count yourself as out. You've got to be able to step up. And, you know, this is a great story of really rags to riches. I mean, the first billionaire author ever, uh, and it's someone who wrote it on a typewriter and got rejected by 12 publishing houses. I mean, it's incredible story of what uh, determination, um, hard work, I mean, turning your negatives into a positive. It's, it's, it's a remarkable story and she's a remarkable author. And um, I, I look up to her for, for what she did and her determination. And uh, she was down, but she wasn't out. And uh, we got to remember that in our lives as well. We can be down, but uh, just don't count, don't count yourself out. Yeah. So. My favorite thing about J.K. Rowling is um, she doesn't take herself seriously. She doesn't take the industry she works yeah. in very seriously either. And by that, I mean, um, she basically proved what I've been saying all along my entire career is that the gatekeepers and the air quote experts don't know shit about shit. That's a great and example. Of they it. cannot yeah. recognize mm -hmm. talent or quality. And she went on to prove that after she was famous, she decided to submit a manuscript to several publishers. This is under great. A pseudonym, the name Robert Galbraith. And I forget the name of the book. Um, it might have been. Uh, let's see. Let me find this. I'm Googling it as we speak. Even yeah, no, this is a, a great producer story. who could do this. Um, Troubled Blood, maybe, I think it was called. Anyway, she sent this manuscript to a bunch of publishing houses and agents, and they all rejected it. One of them even wrote a note on like a little post-it note that said, I suggest you uh, get some writing lessons, take a couple writing courses before you ever attempt to submit anything anywhere to anyone. Hmm. So she self-published it and somehow I think the BBC leaked it that, hey, this is really J.K. Rowling who wrote this Robert Galbraith novel. It's just think about how many, and it goes along with the whole, like nobody cares who you are or what you do until you're already famous. That's it. And then they'll try and take credit for your, your genius. Yes. Yeah. Like, so it yeah. says, I just, I, I looked it up just to, you, he doesn't believe me, so he's fact-checking. No, no, no. Hey, I'm not Brubeck, you're actually right. No, I'm not fact-checking because I was going to help you look it up. But yeah. A lot of help, uh, thanks. We're done with that segment, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you thing, got? What do you got, kid? Well, uh, it says here, J.K. Rowling has spoken of the liberating experience of adopting a nom de plume after it was revealed that Harry Potter creator was behind a critically acclaimed crime novel published under the name of Robert Galbraith. Uh, the Cuckoo's Calling, billed as the debut novel of Galbraith, a pseudonym for a man with a background in the army and so civilian security industry, won praise from crime writers and critics who hailed the author as a new force. And then it says down here, oh gosh. Oh wow. yeah. So one of the one of the uh, one of the critics said, uh, "Just once in a while, a private detective emerges who captures the public imagination in a flash." And here's one might well do that. There's no sign that this is Galbraith's first novel only that he has a delightful touch for evoking London and capturing you here in auspicious debut. So basically they said, not bad for a rookie. Yeah, yeah. not bad for a rookie. Yeah. Who, who is the never mind a literary icon. A billionaire author in the world. Like yeah. one of the best authors to ever touch. I just think that's, uh, that's it's incredible. But, it, but you're yeah. right. I mean, how many people will jump on board a famous person writing a book? Like, oh, well, mm -hmm. well that... You know, everybody knows that person. So, and the reason is, and, and you know this too, and you're probably going to reveal it during your, your time, but it's the reason is, is because they're lazy, right? And they want to be able to sell a lot of books and they want to, they want to do a lot of effort to sell those books. So if they get a famous name on the cover, they know they can sell a bunch of books just through name recognition, regardless of that, 
whether that book is good or bad, right? I you know what I just realized? What's that? Your first book, the reason you wanted me to write the forward was so you could put my name on the cover so it would yes. sell a million copies. Exactly. Now you I know. I feel so used. I feel like you treated me like a piece of meat, John. Yeah, well, but it worked. Yep. Um, hey, folks, listen, we're all prostitutes. We just sell <laughs> different parts of ourselves. Right. So apparently, exactly. I sold my name. <laughs> um, but just... To- <laughs> To, to further the whole J.K. Rowling thing, I think that J.K. Rowling also stands for something further than just like being an author. But also... Just kidding. Just kidding. Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> That's her legal well, name, Parker. Well, I think she also stands for a lot of... Jebediah's like... kid stands for Jebediah's. <laughs> oh, that's you. Never mind. <laughs> but I think she stands for a lot of like good mental health like uh, stuff, like being being aware of like your mental health and using healthy outlets to explore your creativity in like certain areas and like for her like she used writing books as a way to like kind of get through those hard times and and like improve herself so yeah everybody needs a a creative outlet like that i agree yep well said i love it that's a great story jk rowling the so uh, used though now i feel so used john i know i'm sorry yeah (laughs) So yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm putting my foot down right now, though. Okay. And I'm going to say it's time we move on and talk about my X Factor book. Let's do it. I'm excited because you 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 gave us a, a you preempted it by saying it's going to blow our mind. It's going to make it's us gonna, yeah. It's, it's going to be like uh, yeah. It's going to be like yeah. Change our whole mindset about the whole book industry. And I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Are you ready, Parker? Because I know I'm ready. So this book is by an author that I hold in higher regard than J.K. Rowling or even Robert Galbraith. And um, it's his second book. And he is a, um, a retired submariner who served on a nuclear sub during the Cold War. I don't know if either of you guys or any of our listeners have ever heard of him, but his name's John Rennie. And uh, he just published a book called All in the Same Boat. And strangely, I was not asked to write the forward to this one after basically I made his first book a bestseller by writing the forward. You did. To his, um, should we call it a cult classic, John? It has become that. Yes. I think that's uh, a good way to describe it. It's called I Have to Watch. Yeah, my First book was I Have the Watch. Yep. I have, I, have, I have the watch. Not that kind of watch, Coach Brew. It's it's, okay. a, it's a Navy term for being responsible for the boat at the time. Yes. Bro, I was just showing off my Rolex. <laughs> Come on. Um, no, but in all seriousness, it's, uh, I, it's all in the same boat. It has been uh, set for pre-order now, right? People can pre-order this at allinthesameboatbook.com. Yes, March 15th, we went live, uh, all in the same boat, book.com and, and for pre orders. Right here. Yes. Yeah, right here. Yes. Um, by, the, by the way, you did review the book and, and your review. I endorsed it. I didn't review it. Yeah, right. Can I read your endorsement? Because I think it's great. Which one? The one you wrote for. Uh, for the first my new one book. I wrote, or the second one I texted you and said, change it to this? The second one, because I liked it. I think you should read the first one and then I should tell them what I changed it to. I don't because know I'm so fickle and wishy-washy, I changed my endorsement probably after the thing went to press. I got to go find your original one. I, I like the second one so much that I, uh, uh, yeah. So let's see, what was it? It was something about like pens and, and notepads. and. Oh yeah. I don't know where that is. I can't. Do you want me to just, I'll tell them what it was and you can do the second one. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. My first endorsement of his book after he sent me the manuscript was um, my endorsement was that I scolded John and reprimanded him because I thought it was irresponsible of him to publish this book alone. That book should come with notepads, highlighters, and a box of pens because it is so rich with ideas and strategies that, you know, I said, it's basically irresponsible of him to sell it without 
writing implements and paper. Right. That's right. Yeah. Which I liked. Can I read the second I one though, that you wrote? That, but he loved what he's about to tell you next. So this was the, this was the, uh, I swear I was sober when I said this. <laughs> it says, it says the movie Titanic would have been a, would have had a happy ending if Rose and Jack would have read all in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> so there are Wait, some that's people go, out that's, there. That's going in the book, by the way. It's too classic. It's damn well better. What's that? It's damn well better. Oh, it's in the book. It's done. It's a done deal. So, so for those of you who haven't seen, Parker, have you seen the Titanic? Yes, I have. It's okay. been a long time since I've seen it. Right. John, can you explain to people who maybe haven't seen the Titanic what specific scene I was referencing? Yeah, at the end of the movie, when you know the the, the ship has sunk and uh, Rose and Jack are in the water, Rose happens to find a, I guess it's a door frame, part of a door frame that she's laying on top of, and um, and uh, in the movie, of course, Jack can't fit on the door for some reason. Anyways, they say goodbye, and he sinks in the ocean and dies, and she she lives. But of course, as everybody knows, and it's been proven by Mythbusters uh, too, is that there was plenty of room on that door for the both of them, and they both could have lived. They both could have been all on the same piece of wood. And yeah, technically didn't. not, but more more like just a, a piece of wood. Yeah, shard of wood. Yeah. Any, uh, any port in the storm. Yes. Yeah, I could have. Uh, I should have been one of the screenwriters on that. I know. I would have made it a happy ending. And not the kind of happy ending you're thinking of, Robert Kraft. So that was a past episode. It's all in the same boat book.com or is it all in the same boat.com? All in the same boat book.com. And that's right here. Yep. Go ahead and pre-order it. We're having a, a pre-order contest, are we? Or, you know, some jackass uh, suggested you give away some other books along with what, What's all that about, John? Yeah, so we're going to be announcing it shortly, but um, so everybody that pre-orders the book, we're going to be in pre-order for two months uh, up until about uh, May uh, 15th, and so um, we're going to have a surprises we're going to give out, and um, so just about everybody that orders a book will get an opportunity for one of these uh, prizes, and so the, the prizes haven't all been announced yet, but I can tell you one of them is a- uh, Standing desk? No, not a standing desk. Oh, Okay. That would be a good idea, but I, I don't want to call I might, Maybe I'm mistaking that for another contest that we ought to talk about, but go ahead. Yeah, but uh, I know one of the gifts, one of the prizes is going to be a book, The Coach Approach by uh, Coach Brew Never himself. And uh, so 50 people will, will get a copy of that book. So I think the, the, right now, it looks like the, the, the biggest prize will be uh, something you have in your office, John, as well. It's, it's going to be one of these um, handcrafted American flag, wood uh, American flags nice. that, um, that we have. I have a friend of mine who makes those, and we're going to make that uh, the grand prize uh, for, uh, for the giveaway. For the, but there's a number of other giveaways, including, uh, of course, Bottom Gun Coffee will be part of it. Uh, I've got some friends at a company called Test Depth, which is all submarine gear. That'll Tesla? be a part You're of it. Giving away a Tesla? Would you say? No, Test Depth, which is a whole thing in in and of itself. Uh, it's Just warn the... you told me you're giving away a couple of Teslas. You know, I would if I could. Cheap I could. Skate. You have a car. You have a Tesla. You have a Tesla. You, uh, but no, we're Thank not you, doing a brother. Tesla. And then um, some of the guys from. Um, uh, it's called Sailors and Sticks. It's a bunch of uh, uh, Navy veterans, Navy active duty that are into whiskey and cigars. And we're going to have some swag that they're going to give away. So just to, you know, so everybody that uh, puts in and gets a pre-order will be getting a, uh, an opportunity to win a, a special gift or prize. So. so let this be me incentivizing you all to get off your ass and pre-order now. Yes. Scrape the uh, cobwebs off of your wallet blow the dust off your credit card so you can read the number go to all in the same boat book.com get yourself a copy now absolutely thank you i guarantee it'll be the most interesting leadership book you read this year guaranteed no question about it there's no there's not there's not been a book written like this ever and uh i know you're gonna like it so this is like basically a 10 minute commercial for your book because this was not the x factor book that i'm actually going to talk to everyone about john ah. so um i think this book might rival all in the same boat book 
as far as leadership All right. books go. Uh, it's definitely not better. It's a close second, though, John. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, literary genius Brent Underwood. Do you know Brent Underwood? I forget. Have, country talked, have I introduced you to Brent Underwood? No, I don't think so. Don't, don't Google it. Don't okay. cheat. All right. Okay. Brent is uh, an author. Technically, he, he's an author. And he's famous for, in 2016, uh, back in February of 2016, he published a best-selling book. And hmm. it cost him $2.97 and about five minutes of his time. Wow. It went viral. Yeah. Um, his book is called Putting My Foot Down. Very aptly named Putting My Foot Down. And it is, um, if you look at the category that it would fall under, you know, people are wondering, hey, what genre is that? Fiction, oh. nonfiction? is a nonfiction book and the, the genre it falls under is free Freemasonry and transpersonal psychology. I know the story. Now I, I know who he um, is. It is an ebook. Yes. And it is. And if you're wondering, like, I don't know if I want to buy this. I don't have much time to read. It's pageless. It is literally um, one lone image of his left foot on the front cover and the pages inside are blank. Now uh, he bought one copy of the book after he published it on Amazon and encouraged two of his friends to each buy a copy. It 90 minutes later, after selling three, a whopping three copies became an Amazon bestseller in the categories of Freemasonry and transpersonal psychology. So basically pick the most obscure categories, publish something that is essentially nothing other than a picture of your foot, title it, putting my foot down. And you have one uh, very disenfranchised, frustrated author's uh, expose of what an absolute crock of shit the publishing industry is and these uh, bestseller lists, which I use air quotes to say bestseller list because- mm. So much of the Wall Street Journal, New York Times bestseller list, USA Today bestseller list are not real bestsellers. It is not a meritocracy where a actual factual real score is being kept on an honest scoreboard. There is a company, and this is where I told you I would shatter your dreams, folks, and blow the doors off the whole industry that John and I work in. There's a company that is called result source and authors often it's usually like douchey business guru authors uh, or speakers who try and fast track and game the system and cheat their way to success who aren't even good writers anyway but they often will hire this company result source pay them between 150 and 200 thousand dollars so it's people with more money than common sense or integrity and result source will deploy shills that they have in different regions of the United States. On the day that your book launches, they will buy bulk copies through different retail channels. So your book will be uh, hitting the bestseller list if it'll sell like 15, 20,000 copies in the first two days of the week. All books uh, are typically published and released on a Tuesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday of any given week, you know, Result Source will uh, deploy their shills for one of their clients to buy the book in bulk. And you get to basically say uh, through um, a sales list called BookScan that you're a best-selling author. You'll hit the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today or whatever. And then the very next week, you'll be gone. Right. You'll be number one for a week. And then you're like, nowhere to be found. And if you want to sniff out some of your favorite authors or authors you think like previously thought were wonderful, um, look up and see if they were on bestseller list and then go to eBay and see how many hundreds upon hundreds of maybe even in some cases, thousands of copies of their books are available for like a dollar. Mm. 
because they don't throw them away. You know, Result Source will resell them on eBay. And this guy just got fed up and he wanted to expose the fraud that is most bestseller lists. Uh, now, there are some iconic business books, classic business books, like Good to Great by Jim Collins, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yeah, yeah those that are great. essentially live on the bestseller list, and rightfully so. They've earned their place there for weeks, months, in some cases, years. Most of the others, those people have bought their way there. Mm. And it's just kind of sad because it diminishes any and all credibility everyone, you know, um, you would think would have. It's almost like, it almost sounds kind of like uh, those games you get on like your phone and stuff where you can like pay to win sort of thing. Like you put money in and then you could be like the top person or whatever. And like these people are just paying to, to get no. the title. That means absolutely nothing. It's also what you see with streaming and music and artists will come out with a new release mm -hmm. their label will hire stream farms yeah that are just Wait, like what? literally enormous rooms filled with phones and ipads that just stream on a loop that artist's yep. song over and over and over again wait just to get like the views basically yep yeah just oh, wow. to hit number one on a streaming chart wow yeah. i didn't know that yeah well you know yeah. and it goes to this john you know you you know we're it's part of human nature, right? We, we don't want to take risks. So we want to know, you know, it's social proof, right? We want to know, is this a good yep. book or not? Am I going to waste, you know, 19 bucks on this book? Oh, yeah, this is the illusion of social proof, right? It's like, oh, yeah. well, this is a, this is a number one bestseller. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy the book because of that. Right. Yeah. And um, it's the same thing with like Yelp review on restaurants. Like a lot of people will, before they even go to a restaurant, they'll say, well, what is, what does Yelp say? Like, I'm not going to go unless unless Yelp gives me a, you know, it says, it says it's good or whatever. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know you guys, but for me, like sometimes the best places you go to are the ones that you don't ever do any research ahead of time. You just yeah. show up and you, and, uh, and you go to this restaurant that's amazing and you never heard of it. And it's, it's a wonderful experience. Same thing with the book, right? Some of the best. Or it's a little hole read. in the wall that your friend told you about that you can't even find anything online. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, and those out, are the best books, right? And those are the best books. Those are the best restaurants. Those are the best places. Those are the best experiences, right? Because, you know, even I've always said this too, even if you go someplace and you have a terrible experience, you have an incredible memory, positive memory of that experience, right? Like you, it's, it's something you laugh about for years, you know, remember that place we went to and, you know, yep. it, and uh, so you know, but we're trying to curate everything we do. We want to make sure that we only read the books that everybody's reading. We only go to the restaurants where everybody else is going. We only go on vacation spots where everybody else is going. And I think we miss out on what's the fun part of life when we go into something we don't know about what's going to come out. So, you know, if you're just looking for that number one uh, bestseller, uh, you know, uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller on the cover, you're missing out on some wonderful books and wonderful thoughts. Um, and, and there's a lot of crap out there too, which would be a lot of fun too, just to, just to see what crap is out there. So this is kind of makes you think a little bit about um, yeah. what those labels really mean. This guy, um, Brent Underwood, got an email from a woman after he published that book. And then, you know, Business Insider, Forbes, a bunch of media outlets uh, published his story about how he exposed the fraud that is bestseller lists. She emailed him saying that um, she found a, quote, author uh, whose book was on one of those lists. And she was actually thinking about going into business with this person. But she read Underwood's, um, you know, kind of this expose and smartly backed out of the deal. So, like, what it was initially a prank actually helped someone avoid being taken. Yeah, that's true. Which is yeah. pretty cool. You know, he did this almost as a gag on a whim, three bucks in five minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, him basically exposing a whole industry as a fraud actually helped this lady not get conned, you know? So I, uh, I have a lot of respect for anybody that uh, is going to do something that wild and outrageous and, you know, it runs some risk of, uh, you know, backlash for doing that. Yeah. So God bless them. Yeah, I think you're right to say that if you really, if you really want to look at best-selling lists as as a as a 
marker of success for a book, look at the ones that, as you mentioned, several that have been there for years on the bestseller list, right? Yeah. There's something special about that book and you can't game the system for years, right? Or it's months, undeniable. Yep. Right. So, so the, yeah. So look for those that have the long-term success, not ones that just have a short, you know, one week on the bestseller list just to get something on their book cover. So now and your point with Yelp is perfect. That's spot on because uh, Yelp is actually um, a cartel. You know, uh, if you folks, if you haven't seen the documentary Billion Dollar Bully, great documentary to, to go and watch because it exposes Yelp for what they are. Um, I have a lot of friends in the hospitality industry who own small restaurants. And uh, when they first got started, they would uh, get a phone call from Yelp asking them if they want to advertise on Yelp. And they'd say, hey, you know, I'm a startup. I don't really have an advertising budget yet. You know, we're still getting our footing. Um, you know, give us a call back and, you know, six months to a year, whatever. And then all of a sudden they would notice a negative review on their Yelp page that they didn't even create. Mm. And, you know, these are business owners who work in the business 24 seven, you know, they're not absent owners. They're there, um, you know, customer facing capacity and their complaints and critiques that are one-star Yelp reviews of things that never happen, or in some cases, menu items they don't even sell on their menu. And they would get a phone call a few weeks later from the same Yelp telemarketer asking them, uh, hey, you know, you sure you don't want to advertise? I noticed you have a couple of bad reviews and we mm. could help you get rid of them. Yep. Yeah. Hmm, I wonder how they got yeah. there. And it's I wonder. Shake down. Yeah, shake down. Total yeah. shakedown. Yep. So, you know, when you read these Yelp reviews, did they pay to, did that person pay to have nice things said about them on Yelp or, you know, are these legitimate earned reviews? Probably the former. Yep. Well, I mean, we know that uh, Amazon does that. We know that um, we know Google does that. We know that, uh, you know, Twitter does that. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't pay up, you don't get uh, the top billing, you don't get uh, the attention. It's, 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 a, it's, it's basically, like you said, it's a, it's a, you're being shaken down. So yeah, publishing industry is kind of canary in the coal mine with that, but trust is at an all time low in this country, yep. uh, politically and in business and in every industry. And you know, that that's something that affects all of us. And you know, we're really all in the business of building trust first and building, we're in the relationship business, uh, which is why, you know, as much fun as we like to have, uh, we're always a hundred percent honest with you here on this podcast. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, those are a couple of X factor books, JR. Yeah, I love it. That was great. Um, yeah. Harry think... Potter and Brent Underwood. But my, Brent, putting if my you're listening, down. you've probably never been mentioned in the same category as say a JK Rowling ever before, but allow me to be the first. You're the man. Yep. Both of them, both of them shook, uh, shook the industry. And that's, what's really, yeah, what, you and what Robert Galbraith, you're the man. <laughs> the man. So, uh, this episode of the podcast, uh, has been brought to you by our friends at bottom gun coffee. Check them out at bottomguncoffee.com. and P one listeners. What is a P one John? Yeah. P one listener is the one that's uh, actively engaged. So the, you know, the scenario is, you know, like your car stereo, you have your presets, your number one is your favorite. So we want to be your number one favorite podcast. So just, so those that are P one listeners, they're going to subscribe. They're going to share. They're going to talk to their friends about it. They're going to tell their, their spouse. They're going to tell their therapist. They're going to tell their um, chiropractor that they got to listen to uh, this podcast. So they're, they're, you know, um, we like P1 listeners, they get uh, special gifts and prizes. We send random things their way, like bottom gun coffee, like mugs and, and, and books from best smelling authors. So we do our best to uh, reward those that are number one in our hearts and minds. So um, yeah, so be, if you're not a P1 listener now, we encourage you to become a P1 listener because it is a exclusive club that only few members are a part of, and you can be a part of that special community as well. I think we should get members only jackets for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Be nice. Yep. Yeah. Um, so John, how long have you been sitting there? Too long. Your butt falling asleep? It is. Your neck getting tired? Yes. Your legs like kind of getting pins and needles feeling to them? Exactly. Yeah. You know what would help with that? 
What's that? A standing desk. How could I get a standing desk? Desk. Oh, I'm glad you asked, Jr. I'm glad you asked. Tell us about what, company, how I could get one. My apparel company, ChinUpChestOut.com. Um, we just released our spring collection. Parker's rocking one of our T-shirts. Yes. Uh, we just released our spring collection. There are over a dozen different items, ranging everywhere from a hooded sweatshirt to T-shirts, hats, sports bras. You name it. Uh, what else do we have? I forget. But you have uh, hoodies. Yeah. You got a tie dye hoodie. We got a tie dye hoodie, Tank not tie dye like Grateful Dead tie dye, like one color tie dye. Well, yeah, still a tie dye. Really, really, really fun, nice stuff to kick off your spring with the weather uh, warming up. And um, with one lucky customer, they're going to yes. win a standing desk, an Ergotron yes. WorkFit P stand workstation. And, you know, for every dollar you spend there or purchasing my books, every dollar you spend, you get one entry into this raffle. So That's if awesome. you bought a $60 item or spent $60 on apparel and you bought two copies of my book, uh, any one of my books, you get a hundred tickets. That's great. And yeah, it's a, it's a fun contest and it is something I am passionate about. You know, sitting is the new smoking, as doctors are saying. The Mayo yep. Clinic basically said that for every hour you spend sitting, you decrease your lifespan by two hours. And our physical health is intimately tied to our mental health, which is, you know, what my brand is all about, you know, maintaining your mental health. So what I thought was a good fit. And we had a wonderful response thus far. The contest ends April 30th. Uh, so head over to chinupchestout.com and uh, get yourself some merch and you might win a standing desk. And yes. Right there. The link is right there. Check it out. And yeah, there you have it. And there it is. Um, next episode. Yes. X Factor movies. Ooh, see, see what we did. Good. We just teased yeah. that which hopefully Parker will release on time the following week. And it won't get mixed up in order, too. Yeah, and um, putting James Elliott in charge of making sure we hold Parker accountable. He's in charge. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is like we're crowdsourcing amongst our audience um, the accountability for our producer. Yes. That's what absent leaders we are today, John. Yes, I'm okay with that. I'm so, okay. yeah, uh, thexfactorpodcast.com. And uh, we will catch you on the next episode. Did I forget anything, John? I don't think so. Okay. Subscribe, Perfect. share, like, buy a book. Or, or don't. We really don't care. True. We don't. No pressure. Yeah. This is free, by the way. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Yep. Bye. Bye.